Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your hosts, mother and daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation and are dedicated to Gloria and Heidi's son and brother, Scott, and to all those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Good morning. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. You're listening to the Open to Hope show brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation. And we want you to remember that Heidi and I both are here for you and for our Open to Hope community. And we're here to help you find hope after loss. Heidi, we've got a great guest today, don't we? Yes, I'm excited. Um, We're going to be talking with Kim Mooney in a minute. And she has got so many wonderful ideas on how to do rituals around grief. Yeah, we we met her at ADAC, which is the Association of Death Educators Conference, and uh, she actually did a YouTube for us, right, Heidi? She did. She did one on grief rituals, which I would highly recommend that you see. It's like five minutes, and it's posted on Open to Hope, so it's posted on our website, and it's also posted on our Open to Hope Foundation page on Facebook. Yeah, so go there and remember to sign up for our Facebook because every time we get new YouTubes or new information, we put it on Facebook for you. And also our Open to Hope family puts stuff on Facebook too. And if you are interested in writing for us, you can go to our Open to Hope site and sign up as a a writer, apply to write for us, or you can just tell us your story on the site uh, and um, do that, log in and and give us that information anytime you want to. Well, Heidi, uh, do you want to introduce Kim? Sure, I'd love to. Um, Like you said, Mom, we're going to talk about grief rituals today with Kim Mooney. And Kim Mooney is the Director of Community Education for Hospice Care of Boulder and Broomfield Counties. Kim has provided grief services to families with both expected and unexpected losses for 17 years. Her own experience with cancer has inspired her work and prompted an interest in grief rituals that help families and individuals to deal with loss. Welcome to the show, Kim. Good morning. Nice to be here. Great to have you on today, Kim. And uh, Heidi and I are so interested in rituals and and those kind of things. Before we get started with that, um, uh, we were saying we met you at ADAC, the Association of Death Educators, and you're on the board, right? Mm-hmm. I am. Could you tell our folks a little bit about ADAC? Because it's such an interesting organization. Oh, it's wonderful. It's actually the largest interdisciplinary body of experts on end-of-life care and grief in our country. And because we have an international membership, we have people from all different walks of life. So every year I go, I learn something brand new. That's great. And, you know, um, you can also get a therapist from there. You know, Heidi and I are very big on the ADAC uh, therapy program. Um, They're called thanatologists, which is uh, people that are trained specifically in dealing with grief and loss, I believe. Isn't that right, Kim? In death, any any aspect of death, too. So death, grief, loss, dying. Yeah. And so, because uh, I think it's really important that you have somebody that knows kind of the business. And there's some specific kind of things that you need to know when you deal with loss as a therapist, don't you think, Heidi? Absolutely. I, d- I definitely think that you need to be schooled in grief and loss and recognize, I think, that everybody has their own journey and people are on their own time frame and not to have rigid expectations about where people should be at certain times. I mean, that, I think, is one of my biggest complaints and pet peeves, mm-hmm. that there's this thing of, okay, you should be here because it's been a year, and you should be there because it's been two years. And we all do it differently. We all grieve differently, and we all find hope again in different ways. So you can and go... I think yeah. I would add to that that we have to remember, therapists have to remember that there's nothing to fix. This mm-hmm. is a human experience that needs to be witnessed and supported, but they're not there because they have a, a psychological problem. I like that, uh, witness and support it for sure. Well, Kim, uh, I want to get on to talking about these grief rituals, but you've had a, an experience yourself uh, in the last year, right? 
Mm-hmm. Both my mother and my mother-in-law died a week apart um, last year, and it was so overwhelming. And then there were some health issues in my family that we didn't get to do a lot of conscious, intentional grief work, but we found ourselves doing a lot of ritual. Mm. Now, so you had some information from the past on working with grief rituals and with your all your years and working in the hospice program. Tell us about some of those rituals. And I know you uh, mentioned some of them uh, on YouTube also. My first ritual was when I was 10 years old. I cut up a blanket and dressed like a nun and walked around the neighborhood doing dead bird funerals. So I've been doing this wow. for a really long time. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So after 17 years of running grief groups and thinking I really knew what I was doing, of course, when you have a personal loss, you find out that you don't know anything about that person, I mean, that loss for yourself. When our mothers first died, um, and it was very similar, they both died of the same disease, so it was a little, we were in shock for quite a while. Uh, to, what did they die of? They died of pancreatic cancer, so we had Ooh, very that's painful. diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you had a lot going on. Pardon? I said, so you had a lot going on. That pancreatic cancer is difficult. It's really hard. Um, and there were very fast diagnoses, so we didn't have a lot of time to get ready for it. Wow. And um, and so after they died, we, we did have memorial services for both of them, and they were quite lovely and very personal. Um, but we found that once we sort of came out of shock, we still had needs around that, that we hadn't really been able to do it all. You know, a lot of people will have funerals and then tell me two months later, I don't even remember being there. Right, yeah. And one of the things that I found the first three or four months after mom died was that I started going through her pictures and we were going through old boxes. And as we did that, we would tell stories and we would find pictures that were similar, like their baby pictures. And we ended up intentionally, but not thinking of it as grief ritual, building these incredible collages all over the walls in our hall. We have what we now call the mom wall, uh-huh. and they are covered with pictures from their birth to their death. Um, they're just wonderful, and it took us three or four months, and it was actually how we did a lot of our grief work, and it was done very intentionally and ritualistically. Wow, that's interesting. Now, did your husband and you both want to do it? Because I'll have to tell you, uh, when Scott died um, 26 years ago, um, my husband wanted to go through all the pictures and listen to the funeral later on and all that. And I didn't want to do any of that. So did you find you and your husband both wanted to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. But we wanted to do it at different times and in different ways. You know, that's part mm-hmm. of what you said earlier. I think we have to understand that um, losses hit people very differently. And so for a while, he'd be taking care of me or I'd be taking care of him. He actually came up with some rituals that I wouldn't have done that were very personal to he and his mother. A couple of months ago, he um, was sailing with some friends to the British Virgin Islands, and he took some of her ashes with him and basically told his best friend, who was there, to please come with him and stand on the prow of the boat. And he scattered her ashes into the Gulf Stream so that she could go back to England one more time because she'd never been able to sail with him, and she loved to travel. So they had Mm, a little scattering out at sea. Oh, that's fantastic. Fabulous. Yeah, and that's interesting. It's not something you would have thought of. So le- letting or supporting people in doing their own rituals. What What about if you hadn't wanted him to do that? I was wondering if you had any thoughts of about when people want to do something. And, you know, that can come up, um, I'm sure, with rituals. I know with funerals and things, uh, um, my husband, I was more um, out there, you know, wanting people to know. And we had actually had 
two funerals, one in Rochester, New York, and one out in the West, and uh, that was a lot for him. I don't know, Heidi, what about you as far as those rituals go, wanting to do something different? Did you want to do all that we did? Oh, absolutely not. I definitely wanted different, a, a few different things, and I, I think the one thing that's, I mean, in hindsight, that's important for people to also know is to include your children. Now, this is hard because it's already, usually the death has already happened in the show, but um, include your children in thinking about rituals and funeral rituals, et cetera, that they would like to have um, to memorialize their siblings. Mm-hmm. Because our relationships with our siblings is different than our parents' relationships. Mm-hmm. Things that are important to us are different than what are, are important to our parents. We listen. I listen to very different music with my brother than my parents did. I would have chosen some to add some of the music that I listened to at the funeral with him. So, I mean, there's just, yeah, rituals are different depending on your relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I love some of your rituals on the YouTube, Kim. They're fabulous. The, the blue. I was. Oh, Heidi, wait a minute. Let's. Uh, I want oh, okay. to talk about this because we're going to go to break right now, and I definitely okay. want to get into some of those specific rituals because Kim Mooney has some wonderful rituals that I know you're all going to enjoy. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. You're listening to the Open to Hope show. We hope you will visit us on Facebook and sign up to be a friend us on Facebook because we have all our shows on there, lots of information. And we also want to remind you that all of our shows are archived on uh, opentohope.com. And you can listen to three to 500 shows and you'll be able to select the topics that you think are important to you. And uh, as I said, these can also be downloaded on iTunes. Please stay tuned to hear more from Kim Mooney about uh, rituals. Welcome back to the Open to Hope show. This is Dr. Heidi, and I'm here with my mom, Dr. Gloria, and we're talking today with Kim Mooney. Kim Mooney is the Director of Community Education for Hospice Care of Boulder and Broomfield Counties, and we're talking with Kim about grief rituals, and when we went on break, we were just saying that Kim has got some wonderful rituals that she's talked about on the YouTube video that she's done for the Open to Hope Foundation, and I please would encourage you to go to either our Facebook page or our website and just take a quick look at her five-minute video because she's got some great ideas. And Kim, can you share some of those ideas with us, some of the rituals that you've uh, talked about? Do you want me to talk about one of the ones that was on this? No, whatever. You don't need to, either those or or anything that you think would be a good thing for our our audience to know. I want to go back to what Heidi said right before the break about kids and giving them a chance to be involved in the rituals. We were running a children's grief group several years ago, and it turned out that five of the seven children in the group had not been allowed to go to the funeral, and they were very angry about it. So we set up a little memorial service for them on their own, and the thing that was the most curious to me is that they all wanted to be part of, they all wanted to be a pallbearer. So we got a little (laughs) table, and we set it up, and they wrote love notes, and we put it on top, and then we marched them into the room, and they all got to carry their loved ones into the room for them. It was wonderful because they designed it, they got to take part, and even though they had not been at the funeral, they still got a chance to create their own ritual. Wow, how neat. Now, now hasn't, uh, I heard you say they got to design it. Talk about that, because isn't it important for people to plan their own rituals? 
Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think the most important part of that is intentionality. The form can be just about anything. You can do it alone or in community. But what do you want? And when people approach ritual, it's usually because they want something and they want to be fully present to it and they want to bring themselves into it. So sitting down with people and saying, what do you want and where do you want to do it and who do you want there? And then asking them to bring in symbols and stories and pictures and things that create their own sense of what they're doing. So they have ownership. Because one of the best parts about ritual is that you feel like you're empowered to do something at a time when you often feel real powerless. Now let's talk about, give our audience some quick ideas of some rituals. I'll give a quick one that, that I saw when I was in family therapy. There was a family who had lost a loved one, and they wrote notes and put them in a bottle. And then they went up to the top of a mountain, and they all looked together at what area they would like to put bury the bottle, and they went out into a beautiful area and buried the bottle together. Mm, I love it. So one that I have. I'm sure you guys have some others. We had a pregnancy infant loss group going, and one of the young mothers whose child was stillborn, had they had decorated the baby's room in Winnie the Pooh motif. It was a favorite family one, and she had Winnie the Pooh tattooed on her ankle mm. by herself, and she brought it back into the group, and three of the other mothers ended up finding images or pictures and things that they wanted, and they all had their ankles tattooed. That's a good example of a personal grief ritual. Right. Tattoos are big right now, yeah. Yeah, I have a butterfly on my ankle, Kim. Do you? <laughs> yeah. And uh, talk about the paint your toenails. We loved that one on your video. My mother and her friend, Jane, used to come up and visit my best friend and I in Colorado every year. It was three days where they didn't have to be housewives or take care of anybody but themselves, and we'd take them up in the mountains and you know, just have them do something they've never done before. So one year we went up and they they swam in hot springs under the full moon, you know. So the second year we were up there together, we painted their toenails blue, which they thought was just outrageous, these two little old women from Omaha. But my mom <laughs> kept painting hers blue, and Jane painted hers occasionally. But when she was dying in a hospice center, we put out the little booklet with all the pictures of our trips together. So everybody got to see the pictures of the blue toenails. And when we had Jane's service, all the women, without talking about it ahead of time, all the women who came had painted their toenails blue in honor of her. Oh, that's, that's really fun. I love that. Um, it was great. Wonderful. I, I love the rituals. You know, anytime you're writing notes... Um, uh, you know, I've uh, had a family where we went to the cemetery, the dad had died, and, and the kids were teenagers and everything, and they all wrote something to their dad, and then we uh, burned it all and used it for ash to plant a rose bush in their yard. So I think those kinds of things. Any other rituals you can think of, Hyde? Have you got any that you like? Um, well, I just thought of, I mean, a couple of the rituals I've heard from kids were um, there was one where all the kids brought in their skateboards when their friend died, and then put them all around his coffin mm. because he was, a, he was a, you know, a skateboarder. And then there's a lot of stuff with surfers. You know, when surfers die, the surfers go out into the sea together and they paddle out and they have a ritual out in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think that is so wonderful. Yeah, we watched that at Carmel when a couple of kids had died there and they went out and paddled that and, and did the ritual. Well, Kim, what are the important things about ritual? What if I want to do a ritual? Is it too late? You know, it's been a lot of years. Can I still do one? No, I think that this is one of the things we have to realize about grief, too, is that grief lasts a lifetime. Annie Lamott said the only way to heal grief is to grieve. And we, you know, when you're when someone dies, you cannot grieve what you're going to miss in 20 years. When a child, when a father dies child gets married, and of course you're going to grieve anew because he's not there then. You can't project it. So I think it's important to do ritual through your whole life. And 
Here's a really good example. My One of my friends um, had a baby who died about 40 years ago, and at that time there was not much respect given to people who lost babies. The baby died in the hospital. She wasn't allowed to hold her, um, and nobody talked about it. But all these years she had kept her birthday in her heart. So she sat down with me one time and said, about six years ago, and said, I'd really like to do a ritual for my birth, my baby. And I said, what do you want out of it? She said, I never got to say goodbye. So we walked out to a spring that she visited very often in the mountains. We got some water. I have a little doll that looks like a newborn, creamy almost. And she, we wrapped it in her favorite scarf, got into a quiet room. We talked about why she named the baby Jennifer. We read what the name meant. I had had the astrology done so we could at least theoretically talk about who the child would have been based on the moment of her birth. And then we spent the rest of the time really for almost an hour sitting in silence with music where she got to hold her and talk to her and do whatever she wanted. And she knew she had to give her back. And at the mm-hmm. end of almost an hour, she kissed her and gave her back. It was very simple, very profound, 30 years later, and she finally got to say goodbye. Wow, I love that. These rituals are so important. Well, Kim, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's It's been great talking about these grief rituals. And, and Heidi, I, I just wanted to say, hasn't this been great thinking about these rituals? And I, I want to say to our audience out there, you know, nothing's too too funky. You know, uh, don't be don't be afraid to do it, huh? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, also, Kim's making a good point that it's never too late. If you didn't do a ritual when the person died, you can go back and do it now. You, you can go and do it now. When I, I love that idea. Yep. Really profound. Well, Kim, thanks so much for being on the show. And I know you've helped a, a lot of people. And we want all of our audience to know out there that we're here for you and that you need not walk alone on your journey. And please tell everyone about the grief blog and our Open to Hope Foundation and about the radio shows because we're here to support you. And I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host... Dr. Heidi Horsley. Kim, thank you so much for helping people heal through rituals after long. Thank you for having me. Take good care of yourself. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. If you have found this show to be helpful, you may visit us at opentohope.com, where you can become a part of our caring community by signing up for Facebook, Twitter, and the Open to Hope Foundation newsletter. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time.